Do you love God's mercy? Or do you just love God's mercy to you? Another way to ask the question is, do you love God? Or do you love God's benefits to you? Today we're looking at Jonah chapter 4. And as we look at it, we see um, God's mercy toward him is what Jonah loves. He loves God's mercy toward him, but he doesn't yet necessarily love God's mercy. He loves who God is toward him, but he doesn't yet fully love God himself. This is the part of the story that you don't normally hear. Uh, it's, it's the part of the story that gets cut out of uh, children's versions and somehow has even managed to get cut out of the adult versions uh, often as well. But Jonah 4 is actually where we find the actual point of the book of Jonah. It, it, it's where it all comes down to, is here in uh, Jonah chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at the chapter over the next two weeks beginning it today with verses 1 through 4, uh, and then finishing next week with the rest of the verses. What I want us to see today is that God aligns the hearts of his people. He aligns the hearts of his people with his own heart of love and mercy. God aligns the hearts of his people with his own heart of love and mercy. Throughout the book, what we find is some parallels between some of the different chapters in the book of Jonah. We find a parallel between chapter 1 and chapter 3. In chapter 1, God called, Jonah got up, and he ran, and God had mercy on Jonah. In chapter 3, God called again, and this time Jonah obeyed, and God had mercy on the Ninevites. In chapter 2, Jonah prayed to God with joy and thanksgiving for God's salvation. But in chapter 4, Jonah prays to God in anger for his mercy and his salvation. And when we get angry at God for who he is, it makes us do some silly things sometimes. And when we get angry at God for who he is, there are a few things that may happen that I want us to look at today. The first of, the first of these is this. It is possible to repent of our repentance. It's possible to repent of our repentance. Now, hang on with me for a second. That might sound a way. Uh, you might take that in a way that I don't mean it. Uh, but let me uh, look at verse 1 as I explain. It's not saying here that we can lose our salvation. That's not at all what I am saying. But we can have times that we go before the Lord in repentance over our sin, repentance over something that he has shown us that we've been living in. And we can repent and we can later kind of repent of that repentance. We pick up the story in Nineveh or, or in uh, the end of chapter 3 where we find Nineveh repenting. The last half of chapter 3, Jonah kind of falls out of the picture and Nineveh becomes central to the picture. And we find Nineveh's great response, the opposite of what Jonah's was at first. Jonah got up and ran, Nineveh repented. And we drop in at the end of chapter 3 into chapter 4 and we find Jonah repenting as well. 
But what Jonah is repenting of, he's repenting of his repentance. Verse 1, take a look with me. But Jonah was greatly displeased, and he became angry. He became angry. In chapter 2, Jonah repented for running from the Lord. He repented for doing the opposite of what God had told him to do. And he repented with great joy. If you remember, he sang a song of thanksgiving. We looked at it two weeks ago. And he repented and he turned to the Lord with great joy. He was thankful that God would look to such a wayward man, this wayward prophet who ran in the opposite direction of God. He would take such a wayward man and he would save his life. He would save him. He was thankful for that. But we'll see that this is the very thing that makes Jonah angry. That God takes wayward sinners and he saves them, and he shows mercy to them, and he gives them the benefits of his salvation. Maybe you've had a time in your life where you have at least been tempted to repent of your repentance. It doesn't mean you, you lost your salvation. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but it does mean that God still had a lot of work to do in your heart. Remember, throughout this book of Jonah, we see God working on Jonah's heart. He's not just getting him to do something. He is trying to change Jonah's heart. And God may still have some work to do in your heart in those times. At those times, you still have to learn the words of that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It may be where you're at this morning, or there may come a time very soon, or maybe even far away in your life where you face this temptation. Maybe you are glad to, to receive the true and eternal life that God gives, but you didn't realize the hardships that it might come with. You didn't realize the hard things that, that he may call you to do. Or maybe God did something that made you angry in some sort of way. Maybe it's something like what we find here with Jonah. Maybe he made you angry in some sort of other way. And whatever it may be, whatever it may be that happens in your life, you've said or you were at least tempted to say enough already. Enough already. And you reconsider following the Lord wherever he calls you. It's possible to forget for a time the goodness of God. It's possible to forget it. It's possible that we may get angry at God for a time. Maybe even for good things that he does. But friend, God is doing all things for his glory in your good. And I want you to hold on to that truth this morning. That God does all things for his glory and for our good. And we'll see that as we go on. It is possible to repent of our repentance sometimes. But the second thing I want us to see is that it is possible to know good theology and hate it. It's possible to know good theology and hate it. What exactly was it that displeased Jonah in this situation? 
What exactly was it that made him so angry that he would actually get angry at God? What was it exactly that had him so hot? Was, was, it, that the, the, was it the Ninevites' reaction to his preaching? Is he mad that they repented? No, not exactly. Or maybe it was that he planned to go on this three-day preaching tour, but then it ended up only taking one day. They repented too fast. I was, I was enjoying my preaching. I had more illustrations that you were going to laugh at. I wasn't even intending for you to laugh at that one, but that's, that's okay. Maybe it's something that made him angry. Maybe he had a thought originally. and say, you know what? Maybe this message isn't th- so bad. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown? Now that I think about it, I kind of like that message. They're our enemies. They're my enemies. They're, they're the people of Israel's enemies. I actually think I like that message. I don't think they're going to repent. We find it was none of those things. It was none of those things. It was what we found in the last verse, in, verse, in, in chapter 3. It says, when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion, and he did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah is mad that God is showing compassion. Jonah is mad that God is showing mercy to those that he doesn't think deserve mercy. He is mad that God is giving salvation to his enemies. Verse 2, he tells us exactly why he is mad. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, just two chapters ago, Jonah was praising this. And this is something that that Jonah is actually quoting from God's word. He's quoting this from from when God appears uh, on the mountain, or he calls Moses up on the mountain with him in Exodus 34. And God passes by Moses, and, and Moses gets to see his back. And this is what God says about himself. He lets his people know that he is gracious and compassionate, that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Jonah didn't run away because he didn't want to travel that far. He didn't run away because he was afraid of the Ninevites. He didn't run away because of any inconvenience, you know, because it it was just too far out of the way. I mean, he was going to Tarshish. It was just as far out of the way. Those weren't the reasons that Jonah ran. Jonah ran because he knew exactly who God was. And in that moment, he didn't like it very much. Because he didn't think that God should be God, the very God that he is, to people that he doesn't like. He didn't think that God should be gracious and merciful, compassionate, abounding in steadfast love. He didn't think he should 
be that kind of God to them, to those people. He ran away because he knew who God was. Jonah is mad at God simply for being God, simply for being the God that Jonah already knew he was. And specifically, he's mad at God for being God to people that Jonah hates. Sometimes we get mad at God because of our misunderstanding of God. We have some kind of misunderstanding. Maybe we had a misunderstanding of his promises. And so when they didn't come to fruition, we get mad, only to find out that God never actually promised that. Maybe we get mad about misunderstandings about God because we don't really understand who he is. And so when he isn't who we think he is, we get mad, but really it was just a misunderstanding. But sometimes we get mad because we know exactly who God is. And we just don't like it sometimes. If we're being honest with ourselves, sometimes we know exactly who God is. We just don't like it sometimes. At least not when it benefits those people. At least not when it benefits that person. At least when it benefits my enemies. Not when it benefits them. Maybe you have someone coming to mind right now. Maybe you have some people coming to mind right now. Do you love God's mercy or do you just love God's mercy toward you? Do you love who God is? Do you love God or do you just love God's benefits to you? Why doesn't Jonah like it? Because he thinks that God should listen to Jonah. He thinks that God should be who Jonah wants him to be. And in all of it, what Jonah is saying, he is repenting of what he said in uh, chapter 2, verse 9. If you remember, at the end of it, he says, salvation comes from the Lord. And Jonah says, no, I don't want it to come from you. At least I don't want you to have charge of it. I want you to give salvation to who I think you should give salvation to. I want you to give mercy and compassion and love to the people that I think you should give mercy and compassion and love to. Jonah didn't mind it so much when he was on the verge of death. When God was saving him from his sin and he showed compassion toward him, he cried out to God with joy and thanksgiving. Oh, but not those Ninevites. Lord, don't you know who the Ninevites are? Those sinners? How could you? How dare you, Lord? How dare you give compassion to them? Don't you know what they've done, Lord? Don't you know the kind of people that they are? Don't you know how undeserving they are of your mercy and your salvation? Don't you know that they are murderers? Don't you know that they are drunks? Don't you know that they are drug addicts? That they use other people for their own benefits? That they're slackers? That they worship other gods who aren't the one true God? 
Don't you know that they are such great sinners and idolaters? Don't you know what they've done to other people? Don't you know what they've done in cursing you? How could you show them compassion? How could you show them mercy? But how quickly we forget who we really are outside of Christ. How quickly we forget the great sin that we have committed. How quickly we forget that we are idolaters as well. Who have, or we, we outside of Christ, we are idolaters who have tried to make ourselves God, or have tried to make money our God, or have tried to make whatever our God. How quickly we forget the depths of our sin, as Jonah seemed to come to realize in chapter 2, but we're starting to see that maybe he's forgetful, or maybe he hasn't come all the way to the depths of who he truly is. The irony is that when we point out the faults of other people and we say they are not deserving, they are idolaters, they are this and that, we become idolaters because we put ourselves in the place of God. But God is compassionate and he is merciful and he is patient and he is abounding in steadfast love. And when we think that the gospel is not for those people, it's just for us, then friend, you don't know the gospel. The gospel is only for sinners. The gospel is only for the unrighteous. The gospel is only for those who have cursed God. It is only for those who are idolaters. What we see here is that Jonah just can't believe that God would have mercy on those people, on those terrible people. If we're completely and utterly honest with ourselves, we've probably had this thought as well. We've probably heard some stories somewhere where it actually angers us a little bit. Maybe we didn't go to the lengths that Jonah went, but it actually angers us a little bit that God would show compassion and mercy to those people or to that person because they don't deserve God's mercy. They don't deserve anything good. And whether it's because of someone's salvation or whether it's just because it seems that the evil prosper and the good are suffering, no matter what it may be, we might sometimes stand in the place of God and say, you don't know what you're doing, Lord. You don't even know how to use your mercy right. How dare you? Jonah shows that he himself actually cares nothing for God. He cares nothing about who God is. He knows who God is, but he doesn't love it. In fact, he's the only one in the story who knows exactly who God is. And he's the only one in the story who is the least like God. Remember, when the sailors heard who Jonah worships, they obeyed, right? When the Ninevites heard from the God of heaven, 
they obeyed and they rejoiced in it. When Jonah knows God, he gets angry. He's the one who knows the most about God, and yet he seems to like God the least. Sometimes it is possible to have good theology and yet still hate God. It is sometimes possible to have good theology and still hate who God is. See, Jonah's heart is misaligned with God's. It's still misaligned with God's. Something happened in his heart there in chapter 2 where he came a little closer to God, but something is still far off. His heart is misaligned with God's, and misaligned hearts can bring us to dislike things that God does. Misaligned hearts can bring us to really if we get down to the root of it, dislike God himself. But the good news in all of this is that it is possible that God is aligning your heart with his through things that you hate. It is possible that God is aligning your heart through his with things that make you angry. Verse 4, God asked Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Jonah, you're angry with me, but is it doing you any good? And of course, we'll see next week, Jonah has no answer to it. He has no answer. The very grace and compassion that Jonah is angry about, God is still showing to Jonah here in chapter 4. As Jonah gets angry about God's mercy, God is still showing him mercy. The very love and patience that Jonah is angry about, God is showing to him. Just consider the patience here. God is being God, and Jonah is stomping his feet and growling and plugging his ears like a little child, and yet God is still being patient with him. God showed patience and mercy toward the Ninevites, and God is still being patient and showing mercy to Jonah. He displays great patience. This past Thursday, Kristen, who works in the office, uh, was here and she was staying a little while after moms and more uh, on Thursday morning to uh, get a little bit of work done. And as she was coming into the office, one of her kids fell down and kind of, you know, busted their face like on the doorway and starts crying. It was at that very exact moment that another kid started tugging on her shirt and saying, Mom, I'm hungry. And all the while, she's got a baby over here that she's trying to take care of, and she's trying to get work done at the office, and yet she just displayed perfect patience with them. She picked up the one child who was crying. She patted the other one on the head and kindly told him, you know, you'll eat soon enough, okay? Um, and she picked up the baby, and she, she did it all with such great patience. And I don't know about you, but when I see displays of great patience, it moves me to consider my patience. And it moves me to consider how patient I am with my kids. And I actually went home that day thinking about it. Now, think about God's display of patience 
with the Ninevites. Jonah gets angry about it, stomps like a child, acts like a child, and God shows patience toward him. How should that move us, friends? When we come to experience God's mercy in his patience, how should that move us? Should it make us angry that he might do it with someone else who we think is less deserving? Or does it move us to display mercy and patience as well? Does it move us to tell of this great God's good mercy and this great God's good patience? What God is doing here is showing Jonah what patience looks like, and he is aligning Jonah's heart with his own. See, Jonah has a heart of stone, but God is seeking to give him a heart of mercy. What God shows to us here is that we ourselves are undeserving of his mercy. We ourselves are undeserving of his patience. We ourselves are undeserving of his abounding love, and yet he gives it anyway. Friends, that should take us to a place where we rejoice in such a way that we do not try to just keep it to ourselves. And we do not just rejoice in who God is to us, but we rejoice in who God is. And we tell of it to the world. When we grasp how undeserving we are of God's mercy, then we can grasp just how good that mercy is to undeserving sinners, no matter who it may be. And when we grasp the greatness of our sin, we are moved by God's great mercy. And he conforms our hearts to be like his. God takes our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. He tells us in the new covenant, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. For all who come to faith in Jesus Christ, this is the covenant that he makes with you. It doesn't just come to us right away. God works on our hearts. And he often works on our hearts in hard ways. And he often works on our hearts in ways that we don't really like. Now, as we think about Jonah and his anger toward God for the mercy that he showed to his enemies, you may not have anyone who comes to your mind as your enemy. I I would invite you to really search your heart for that. I would invite you to to invite the Spirit of God within you to search your heart and reveal to anyone or reveal to you anyone who you may not be thinking of in this moment, but is really there. Maybe no one comes to mind, but what about those who you feel like are taking over your neighborhood? You know, the riffraff that moved in and the cheap houses down the street. What about the people who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum than you? What about the people who are taking over the culture you feel and and are taking over our country and, and ruining it 
in your eyes. Are you getting angry about thinking about any of them? There might be something in your heart that makes you feel more deserving of God's mercy, that makes you feel more deserving of God's love than they are. Friends, none of us are deserving of God's mercy. Maybe you're not getting angry thinking about any of them. Maybe you just have those people or even that place, those places, whether across the street or across the city or across the world. You have those people in those places that you think, you know, it's just too uncomfortable to go there. It's just too hard. It's just too dangerous that it's just not worth it. It's just not worth someone giving up their time, someone giving up their life to pick up and move somewhere else because it's, it's just not worth it for them. It's just not worth it. Friend, I want to tell you, you and I are not worthy of it. And yet there is someone who gave up his life in order that we could know the mercy and the compassion and the abounding love and the salvation of God Almighty. There is somebody who gave up his life so that we may be brought in, sinners as we are, enemies of God, we find in Romans chapter 5. And yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Someone has given himself up. Someone has laid himself down. As the song says, behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin who held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Friends, there is no one out there and there is no one in here and there is no one in your shoes right now wearing your clothes right now. There is no one who is deserving of the mercy of God, but God is merciful and he is compassionate and he is patient and he is abounding in steadfast love and salvation belongs to him and to him alone. And we can celebrate that. We can celebrate that by worshiping him when we see sinners come to know him. We can celebrate that by worshiping him when we see those who we once might have considered our enemies come to know him. We can celebrate him by going and telling the world, even those who you think would never believe it, going and telling them of the goodness of God, of his mercy and his grace and his compassion. Friends, if enemies can't receive the salvation of God, then none of us can receive it. But we know, we know that he gives it to all who trust in Christ because he has paid the price for your sin on the cross and he has risen from the dead in order to give all who would believe in him new life. When we come to grasp the depths of our sin and the greater depths of his mercy, we will go and we will tell of it. I'm not saying you'll always do it perfectly. 
but you will do it. God is working on your heart. He is working on your heart. The question is not, will you ever fail to show mercy when you should? You will fail at times. The question is, will you just stay there? And will you just let your burning hot anger simmer? Or will you turn to the Lord and let him continue to form your heart? I'm going to ask the band to, to come on back up as we consider what the Lord might be saying to us in our hearts this morning. Who is it that you see as just not being worth it? Who is it maybe that you see as just like, they, they're never going to believe it, so why even give of myself to, to try to tell them? Who is it that you think about, think about them possibly receiving the mercy and the grace of God, and maybe it makes you a little bit angry? Praise be to God that salvation belongs to him and not to us. Praise be to God that he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love because that is what we have received and that is who God is. And if you have received it, then you have been commissioned to go and tell of it. And you have been commissioned to go and invite people into it. You have been commissioned to go into the world, to pray for your enemies, to seek to do good to those who persecute you, and to tell them that salvation belongs to the Lord. We're going to move into our uh, time of communion this morning, and I'm going to invite you to, to take out your cups as we think about both the justice and the mercy and love of God on display at the cross in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, who took on flesh in order that we may receive the salvation that comes from him. As we take the bread this morning, you can open that top piece of your cup and, and find the wafer. And as we take it, we are reminded of the body of Christ that took on our sin and was broken for us. Let's go ahead and open that up and take it to the, together this morning. As we consider taking the cup, we're reminded of the blood of Christ, which has been poured out for you as an offering for our sin. And we remember God's mercy and grace toward us. Let's take and drink this morning. Friends, we celebrate God's mercy. And we celebrate that Christ has died and Christ has risen and that Christ is coming again for our salvation and for the salvation of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. As you think about what God has done in your life, I want you to think about, have you shown mercy? Have you shown grace to the people 
that it might be hard for you to show mercy and grace to? Have you shown mercy? Have you shown grace by telling them of God's grace and mercy that has come through Jesus Christ? I want to invite you to consider that this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we enter into this last song. And I want you to consider that in your heart this morning. I want to invite you, if you are in need of prayer, as you consider that, or you're in need of prayer for anything else, I want to invite you to come up. I'll be up here uh, to pray with you. Um, and I want to invite you to come up during this last song. And we can pray for whatever you are in need.